On this week's full-time roundup, the title race never sleeps as Arsenal slip going into 2024. Juventus continue to catch up to Inter Milan and we review the great year that 2023 was as well as predict some outcomes for 2024. Hope you'll join us for the final recap of 2023. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into this edition of the full-time roundup, the final edition of 2023, Daniel. What a year it has been. Uh, we started this podcast back in June, which is crazy to think already about. Really? June? Uh, I believe it was June. We'll get to the wow. statistics later. Uh, but uh, Daniel, 2023 is, is finally here. We are recording this Sunday, uh, December 31st for you, right after the English Premier League games happened. How are you feeling? Any fun plans to kick off 2024? Um, been, you know, chilling uh, a lot this this week just because, you know, I feel like the holidays have been crazy. So I need to kind of rest and recharge reflecting. So thankful for for everything that happened in, in 2023, including full time roundup. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun, you know, covering the, the games with you. And I'm, I'm feeling great. I got uh a bar that I'm hitting tonight called Hoppin in Charlotte. Um, so looking forward to that. That'll start around eight or nine. Um, and uh, gonna, you know, do dry January actually. So this, I will be going. Believe into, that when I see it. Believe be, that when I see it. I will be going into 2024 uh, intoxicated, but only for a few hours. And then, you know, I will be cutting dry January short though till the 28th because I go to Gasparilla but it'll be 28 days of sobriety for well, me 27 so. technically because you'll start 2024 definitely still dry 27 and a half okay but I guess right. I guess yeah but so uh, dry yeah. January just turned into a week after start of the new year because of all the drinking leading up to 2024 so got it we got it we understand where your head is at uh, still that's, that's, that's right. three and a half four almost four weeks so so that'll be pretty good you know what this um, sounds like, Daniel? This sounds like the New Year's resolutions for everyone to get in the gym and they go for the first two weeks and then all of a sudden you see the gym get very, very empty. I feel like that's what this is turning into, but that's okay. You you, you do you. Yeah, we'll we'll reflect in end of January to see perfect, how, did, how good I did. <laughs> well, with that, we, uh, we will reflect on some things first uh, going into 2024. We talked about a lot of stuff over the year, Daniel. There's plenty of great storylines for 2023 to reflect on as well. But first, there were games today. Um, of course, Premier League had a full slate yesterday on Saturday. Uh, some great games to discuss. A couple games today. Syria also presented us with some some matches. And then, uh, Daniel, we have a full week coming into this next week that um, we'll touch on as, as La Liga returns on Tuesday. Premier League goes on a little break um, with the FA Cup, so they will have a little bit of a down period, but don't worry. There's still a lot to cover for you guys. Things continually come about, and, and the game never sleeps. So, uh, Daniel, with that being said, I want to jump right into it because we do have a lot to cover today. In the Premier League, though, on a Sunday, the two North London Derby squads played not against each other. The first, though, I want to get your thoughts on is Arsenal, who have their second straight defeat. It, this is, is this the end of the race, title race, for, for Mikel Arteta and his men? I'm struggling to come to that conclusion as we speak right now, but it, it's starting to feel like that. 
Um, they dropped to fourth now. Um, and, you know, City and Liverpool both have a game in hand. They're at 40 points. If if uh, Liverpool win tomorrow, then it'll be five points away. I feel like they could still, you know, slide into third above Aston Villa, but I'm thinking for the title charge of the hope of getting first, I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with you, although I don't want to overreact. Of course, I feel like Liverpool may drop some points as well. We touched on um, nope. you know, Mo Salah leaving for African Cup, so that could be an impact. But yeah, when you're talking about how City are going to kind of have that run that they always do, they're, they're going to be welcoming back uh, a free transfer, if you will, with Kevin De Bruyne, who was on the bench. So that looks like 2024 is going to be his return. So add him to the mix that they haven't had basically all season. Erling Holland's coming back. It's going to be tough um, for Arsenal to keep pace. And let's not, again, let's not overreact. It's still early, but um, two losses in a row. I mentioned that this was a must-win bounce-back performance for Arsenal on the previous episode, and I thought they were going to win handily, um, three or four nil, and, and they they flipped the script and get a loss. So um, completely other end of the spectrum there. But there was also a game that, you know, was kind of went to, to plan. Uh, Ange, Ange Ball is in full effect. Spurs back on track. Get a big win against Bournemouth, who could have surprised Spurs, I think. They've been in really good form of late. Um, we talked about Areola Ball, but uh, Ange needed this going into the break, and it looks like a couple more injuries that, you know, they happened, but maybe some new players uh, coming back in January that are ahead of schedule. Yeah, uh, it's... I, I feel like Spurs are really like are in a good spot when with their manager when you know they lose and then they usually bounce back in a in a big way and you we were kind of expecting maybe a bounce back performance but it wasn't an easy game by any means. Bournemouth started off red hot um, and they were able to. I just came down to honestly you know finishing for me in this game. Bournemouth had just as many chances just did not put the ball in the back of the net and and Tottenham did and Richarlison gets another goal today he's he's been in fine form and it, it's good to see it's good to see and we we want parity you know in 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 the Premier League and we got it today with with Fulham upsetting Arsenal and then Spurs continuing to challenge for that top five finish so uh all in all for for at least the Sunday games it was a it was a great slate yeah, you mentioned the parody, and it's making for some fun conversations, especially at the top. If we can get a a good title race all the way through, you mentioned you know that battle for fourth with with Spurs, who who got a big win today. Another team that got a big win on Saturday to keep in that top four position that we've talked about is Aston Villa, who who kind of rode the ship a little bit um, here or righted the ship, excuse me. Uh, but it didn't feel like a convincing win. Burnley were very good. Um, they played with 10 men most of the second half as well. And so you would have expected Unai Emery's team to really kind of put the hammer down, especially at home, and run away with this one. But they needed a late, late, soft penalty, in my opinion, to get the three points at home. Um, but again, Unai Emery's team is back on track, or at least it appears that way. Contact's contact at the end of the day, and it, that's kind of what happened in the box. But uh, once once they tied it up, or once Villa went up 2-1, I thought, okay, they're going to kind of wrap this game up. But they've actually had trouble keeping leads as of late. They, I think they've lost or, or tied a couple games now this uh, this December with having a lead. So it was good that, you know, after the red card happened, they were able to kind of, you know, bounce back and keep pushing. And it, they left it late. 
but you know Douglas Louise, who's been one of the best players for them this so far, you know converted that crucial penalty off the crossbar, kind of hold your breath kind of moment. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure Unai Emery is is glad that they're they're ending 2023 with a win, and uh, they sit third or second as of right now. Yeah, currently second place. So even though they had a little bit of a blip uh, the last couple of games, they're in great shape going into 2024. Of course, the last of the top four um, that we'll touch on is, is Liverpool don't play until tomorrow. Daniel is Manchester City, who we get a ho-hum, nice, easy win over Sheffield United 2-0. And, and, you know, Rodri continues to show why he's one of the best, most important players in the world for that squad. We'll touch on his importance later on as well as we tried to attempt at giving you our XI of the year. Very difficult task, but we we did our best. But um, City went easily as well. Like I said, Liverpool will have a chance to extend their lead um, tomorrow afternoon against Newcastle, the first game to kick us off in 2024. Um, but there were other games on Saturday. You mentioned, uh, you know, full slate as well. Any of the other games stood out to you in particular? You know, of course, Crystal Palace get a big win. Uh, Roy Hodson, who was on the hot seat potentially there. Forrest, first time in 30 years, I believe, beat Manchester United at home. Maybe forever, actually, if I remember correctly, at home. First time ever at home. that's correct. Um, so excuse me on the, the 30 years. It feels like a trend number for Manchester United this year. Or do we go on to go to, to Wolves, who hammered Everton? There's a lot to pick from uh, in a great slate of, of games yesterday. I'd love to to talk about the force when I think first. Um, yeah, I had, Nuno, we we literally just talked about Nuno uh, on the last pod, and this is kind of a, a big job for him to prove himself. And and boy, did they did. Um, you know, Anthony Langa again with with a cutback for an assist. Morgan Gibbs White. The the both goals we we both texted about it were completely identical, um, and. It was just bad United defending. They just were stretched apart. No one stepped on top of the box, and it was just a pretty easy finish of just guiding the ball into the back of the net. Um, but I do have a question for you, Matt Turner, with the mistake to make Oof. it a little shaky for Forrest. What do you? How do you view uh, Turner's spot going into 2024? Man, Matt, Matt Turner needs a reset more than anybody. Um, the clock needs to go into 2024 for him. He had a, a good start to the year, not only at, at um, you know going to Arsenal, but also for the men's national team in the summer. Boy, he's he made some pretty bad gaffes over the last couple of games. Of course, he's lost his starting spot at Forest and regained it. You got to worry about you know his place in the squad, uh, especially with the new manager. Is that something that the manager looks at and says, "Hey, I need a I need a new goalkeeper in the back to to kind of solidify what we're doing." He's he's not great with his feet. You can see that. Um, we've seen that a long time, not just recently. Um, and then you know made a few ter- made a few errors. Now he did make a big save that led to the transition of the goal. To be fair, that's a save he should make. It's at you know a good height. Um, he sees it all the way. It's a tough shot, but it's outside the box from Erickson. So again, a pretty pretty straightforward save for a keeper. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would be a little concerned. I hope that he can turn it around. Um, we've seen things like this in the past with you know American goalkeepers with Zach Steffen who who struggled. Um, you know, obviously Matt Turner more recently that we're talking about here. So you kind of worry about the position for for the U.S. men's national team going into a big summer, but. Um, you just hope he can kind of turn it around the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I don't think his problem is the shot stopping. Uh, I think he's actually on par with most of the Premier League keepers at that rate. It's just, like you said, with his feet, he struggles. 
And we've seen that a couple times, especially this season, uh, when he was the backup for Arsenal. You know, that's a big part of their game. So when he came on, he looked pretty good in that respect. It might just be a confidence thing. And, you know, he'll work on it. Once he gets the confidence, he'll, he'll stop making those errors. But you never know. Um, I mean, you do have Gaga Solano coming up at the time. Right now, I don't think he's ready yet uh, for the U.S. national team. And, you know, the, the Barcelona, uh, I think it's Colkin. He's making the bench third string keeper there for Barcelona. He'll be good with his feet. So he might, you know, fit the mold better for the United States playing out of the back. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Matt Turner loses his place again at Forest. But, you know, a win's a win. So maybe, you know, you know, reflects on it and, and moves on. But I, I did want to move on to quickly to, to Wolves versus Everton. Um, Kind of surprising result. I didn't really know who to give the edge here, but it seems like Wolves uh, with Gary O'Neill at the helm is starting to click here and, and, and get hot, and he's showing why he shouldn't have left for Bournemouth and and why Wolves were, were smart to hire him uh, in the summer. Both teams, you mentioned uh, Gary O'Neill and, and, and Ariola at Bournemouth, uh, two good managers. Of course, a weird situation, which we touched on a little bit in the last episode. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, of course, Wolves look much different this year, not so much defensive, although they are going to be naturally more, you know, inclined to, to play pragmatic ball, but um, they have some talent up front. Uh, of course, uh, Chang, uh, Wang Wong. got a goal. Yeah. Wong got a goal yesterday. Looked really good as well. Cunha on the back post um, puts one in there. Everton, you start to worry though. Uh, we talked about it. You know, they felt like they had that momentum after the deduction but don't look now they're only one point clear of the bottom from from Luton after all that you know two losses in a row now consistent you know poor performances there as well not only uh, against against Wolves but against Spurs as well so you kind of worry about Sean Dyche's uh morale message at this point and how much can you get out of that and how much you know does that you know, everybody backs against the wall mentality lasts for, for Everton. So that's my big concern. My biggest takeaway from that game um, is kind of what, what Everton is going to look like in 2024. Wolves, we, we always kind of expect them to be kind of where they are at the table right now. But yeah, they're definitely playing a nicer style of football. And, and I think they're one piece away from maybe, you know, competing for, for that top half of the table. But will they get there? Time will tell. I just can't believe they have a double-digit score right now. I mean... For Wolves' existence in the Premier League, they had Raul Jimenez, who was pretty good uh, at one point. But then when he had his head injury, which was like three and a half years ago, it feels like now, I mean, the goals completely dried up. And yet, like you said, Wong with, with – uh, is it Wang Wong? I, I, I'm not quite sure, but he's a great player. He's got 10 goals. Bunia starting to kind of churn out some goals and has – I think he has double digit for goal contributions, goals and assists. So – that's that's big, and I think Deitch will turn it around. But them being one point outside the relegation zone is is scary. And you got to think without without these points, you know, they'd probably be in like eighth right now. So it's still a great season for Everton. I think they'll be able to kind of right the ship here. Brentford, uh, that's the team that I'm worried about right now. Uh, you know, I think Everton could pretty easily uh, leapfrog them. Um, but I, I don't know. We we talked last. Uh, episode about Thomas Frank and he's able to kind of usually handle dive, uh, you know, adversity here. So we'll see what he can do. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, that game, of course, Brentford continued to look bad. Crystal Palace, I alluded to it briefly, you know, get a big result here. The the big story for me in this one, Daniel, was 
um, you know, Elise and, and Eze um, and can, when those two players play for Crystal Palace, they're an entirely different team, right? There's oh, yeah. even discussion of, of both of them leaving, or there was discussion of uh, Elise coming to Chelsea in the summertime. Um, if they both leave, you know, that's going to be a big hole to fill. More importantly though, because they're on the roster now is it's, are they, and when they're healthy, um, these two players cannot stay on the pitch long enough, but when they do, again, they, they absolutely dominate. And um, you saw it again today, both, you know, both participating on the scorer sheet. And like I said, a big three points for, for Roy Hodgson, who, who really needed a W here, another team that needed a W and, and they make it two in a row going into 2024 with some big momentum. No bias here as I say that. It's just the facts. Uh, our Chelsea, uh, Maurizio Pochettino needed a win yesterday and he got it against Luton. Didn't make it easy. Was not an easy one to close out, but a big three points to close out 2023 for Chelsea. And you feel like there's maybe a little bit of momentum. Of course, they have a couple of cup games and then Fulham uh, in the Premier League. So arguably, Daniel, I said this earlier in the season, you laughed at me. You laughed at me last week. You're not laughing anymore, I hope. There's potential that Chelsea could, could finish sixth. I'm just going to leave it there. There's potential for sixth. Not going to happen. Uh, well, I will... we'll see. We'll see. Wishful thinking for 2024. How about that? <laughs> yeah, you are an optimist. Now, you weren't much of an optimist yesterday once, you know, Luton almost no, uh, no, there was a lot of desire there in the back. Let's just put it that way. Um, Malo Gusta, I hope you're not listening to this episode, but uh, please, please just stay it right back. Do not go into central midfield. But that was that was enjoyable for me to kind of watch that text chain. It seemed like it was just Matt's, you know, thoughts spinging out minute by minute commentary at the last 20 minutes of that game, which was enjoyable for me. But to kind of switch back to the other league that's going on right now, Siri, uh, you know, most of 2023, Matt, we've talked about how Inter is going to run away with this thing. And guess what happened? Martinez, who's played almost every single game for Inter in the calendar year, which is crazy, by the way, um, you know, is gets injured, I think, a week and a half ago. They tie to Genoa today. They get knocked out of the Copa Italia. And Juventus get a much-needed three points against Roma to get real close to them in the Serie A race. How are we feeling about, you know, how Serie A is kind of breaking down right now? Well, we touched on it a little bit. It's obviously a two-horse race. Um, this still makes it very interesting, although AC Milan, you got to give a little bit of outside hope to them. It's still a long season, right? Um, there's a lot to go here. We're at the halfway mark, but it does feel like it's Juventus and Inter battle, and um, Juventus get a big, big win against a tough Roma Jose Mourinho side and and close the gap to two points now against Inter who who do drop um you know but they didn't lose and I think that's something that you look at we talk about it in other leagues how you know you can you can lose points but you can't lose games you can't lose all the points there um, because you're not going to win every single week and and you know that's just how how can you minimize that damage when you don't win uh, Inter did that um, I still think this is Inter's season this is a much more talented squad than Juventus with with Allegri has um, just nature of the beast you've you know this that may be the end of it of course as you as you reposted for us the other day on on, on X um, which you can follow us there at full-time roundup uh, you know entered financially or in dire straits and probably will lose a lot of this talent going forward just to offset some of that financial stability that they don't currently have so I think this is their year to win it um, because they have to and not only from a financial standpoint, but could be the last one for a few years as they look to rebuild their squad. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
absolutely could agree more. And it's going to be an interesting, you know, interesting storyline to keep an eye on um, because, you know, and Juventus is two points behind. There is a pretty big gap, like you said, with AC Milan. But I don't know. I think we could see a lot of coaches moving in 2024 uh, in this league. So, you know, the likes of Pioli, um, Allegri will probably be out after this year. Um, Napoli's coach, Matazari, is already on the hot seat, you know, one month into this job. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. But there's also some promising coaches that we like to, you know, keep an eye on. And just real quick, uh, surprised by Bologna getting humbled by Udinese. I, I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, I, I wonder, though. You know, we've talked about Bologna a little bit. They're the surprise team this year um, in that top four race. So is it a surprise? Of course, just looking at the standing, yes. But, um, you know, Bologna, not historically a team that's a perennial power in, in Serie A. So, um, you know, one of those, to your point, it's a surprise that jumps off the page. But then when you look at it, is it really that big a surprise? And, and it still will be a fun battle. Of course, Napoli can't buy a win either. Um, and so they keep that that title, you know, that top four spot open as well especially with lazio fiorentina and atalanta all getting w's as well so that's going to be it just closes that gap for fourth right makes that race um, between probably third to third and fourth that much more interesting extremely extremely and uh so you know as we kind of covered premier league and syria um on the other side of the break uh, we're going to do something a little bit different we're going to do a year in review um basically the main stories, main transfers of 2023, and then have some predictions and, and thoughts going into 2024 for you. So like always, please like, subscribe, download, rate the podcast, uh, follow us on our Twitter at Full Time Roundup and let us know your thoughts of anything we've said um, on our you know two episodes a week here and, and follow Matt at Life of Gaslin and follow me at Liverpool CLTFC. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the final two segments of 2023. Daniel, can you believe that? 2023 is coming to an end tonight, which is crazy. Jordan year to Kobe year. Unbelievable. 2024, hopefully will be a great year. Um, you know, it's the end of the year after all. So we do want to give you our biggest stories of 2023 and take a look ahead at some of the potential ones in 2024. Additionally, we're going to try and give you, this was very difficult, our, our, Players of the year, uh, our XI of the year, you know, top 11. Um, Daniel, again, you know, normally we would go through the leagues a little bit more, but this being the, the last episode of the year, we wanted to kind of give you guys a full full picture of what soccer looked like in 2023. Of course, this is a crazy time of year as well with, with breaks and fixtures and festive games and games midweek. And uh, Premier League had, I think, six games in two, in basically two weeks, which is wild. So uh, we'll get back to our normal schedule going forward um, as 2024 kicks off. But again, I wanted to do something a little bit fun, a little different for you guys this year. Um, so Daniel, I'm going to lead you off and have you present us our first main story of 2023. This is something that I know um, is near and dear to you. Um, I also love this player and what this accomplishment meant for him. But um, I'm going to kind of let you take this one since since a little bit of debate between you and I as far as how this one fits into this category. Yeah, I uh, I had to go with the iron fist on including this just because I think it's so important to the resume here. 
um, so Messi, you know, wins the Balloon d'Or. He won the World Cup as well in 2022, late 2022. For some reason, I kept thinking it was in early 2023, but we confirmed that. But uh, I think this Balloon d'Or slash World Cup, you know, basically finalizes his greatness as the best player to ever play this game. He's He had everything but, you know, the World Cup trophy to show for it, and he did it. And I think he's on, is that seven or eight Balloon d'Ors for eight him? Eight now. That'll be eight his now. Yep. So that's one above Ronaldo, I believe. Uh, which is just great for the, you know, Ronaldo versus Messi people out there. And what did he do after he won this World Cup and went to the, or won the Bull Dior? He goes to MLS, um, a kind of, you know, sleeping giant, you could argue, uh, but the global impact uh, was, you know, insane as, you know, he, you know, joined Inter Miami and said, let me bring all my friends down here to the likes of Busquets, Jordi Alba uh, followed him down there, and now we've seen uh, Luis Suarez as well. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he completely transforms the North American side of soccer here. Um, and that'll be really to see on display in, in 2024 as he gets a full season under his belt. So I wanted to mention that. And as we see a lot of you know players moving to MLS, um, we saw a lot of people move to another sleeping giant, you could say, in a league. And, and do you want to kind of recap that one for us, Matt? Yeah, I don't know if I would classify it as sleeping giant um, quite yet. There's a lot of there's financially lot of wise. Financial, okay, sure, we can we can <laughs> agree on that. I'm pretty sure the money that we're talking about in the Saudi league, if we couldn't gas you get, if we didn't get you there already, um, was pretty remarkable. As far as a sleeping giant, I don't. Again, I don't know if I agree with that. We've seen this before. With the Chinese Super League in the past, uh, you know, you mentioned MLS a minute ago. I think that genuinely has a little bit more structure, has some more um, fanfare with it, and and some you know real um, bones and roots to it. Whereas Saudi League is is very young. It still has potential. Um, you cannot doubt that. Again, the money that they threw at it, the players that they tried to bring in um, from from domestic European leagues was was phenomenal. I do want to go back quickly to just um, you know to to touch on Messi. You mentioned you know just his importance to the game globally and what he provided. It, it you it can't go you know without being said enough. Of course, you know the one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, to play the game. Gets to gets to have that World Cup, a weird one again in December. So technically, it's within the calendar year that we're recording this. Um, but you know, just adds to a, a, a legacy that is already insurmountable, um, and and just adds that piece that a lot of people thought he needed um, for whatever reason. And so, congrats to him. And and again, just his impact on the game as a whole uh, was one of the reasons why we had to include him in 2023. Back to Saudi though. Uh, you know, you're looking at players that left from, you know, the top league, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, you know, PSG, the names can go, you know, Benzema, Fabinho, Neymar, Conte, Koulibaly, you know, Otavio, just to name a few off our heads that we are probably missing a whole host of more. Nunos, uh, or uh, Neves, excuse me, Ruben Neves from Wolves, another player, um, you know, just kind of all of that movement, all of the money that was thrown around and, and the willingness to say, hey, you know what? We're going to oh, – Ronaldo. Jeez, how do we forget about Ronaldo? Can't believe there? I just did not include him. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, although you're a little older, uh, Jordan Henderson. Again, the names just keep coming to you as you talk about it. And so there is that that cachet to it and that, that flair. But 
from my perspective, that's what it was. A little bit of a flash. And and can this can this be continued going forward? I think that's also one of our storylines that we'll see in 2024 is, is where does this grow? Right? Can can the Saudis continue to build a league that players want to go to develop and, and be part of long term? Right. There's still history at Real Madrid. There's still history of playing at Liverpool or Manchester United. There is none of that really at um, Al-Halid or one of the other clubs that are part of the Saudi league. So how is that going to develop is going to be an interesting storyline. But just as far as 2023 is concerned, it, it took over. Um, and you've seen this not only in soccer from the Saudis, but other sports as well. And I know that's a very big contentious topic in, in a lot of circles. So um, can't, can't add 2023 without what Saudi Arabia did for the sport. Of course, 2020, uh, 2034 World Cup as well being um, announced for Saudi Arabia. So a lot of things that you know you kind of have to keep an eye out for um, in, in the Arab world of, of what they're doing from soccer's perspective. And you mentioned uh, a lot of players and, and stuff like that, but they also brought a ton of coaches over. You know, Nuno uh, was a coach for a brief time, Steven Gerrard. Um, the Salzburg coach, who was one of the promising managers in 2022-2023, ended up popping over there, just blanked on his name. Um, so you, you've seen – and you've seen a recruitment of players. You, you've said players that are old, players that are young, players that are in their prime. All, all three have, you know, made the jump to Saudi and are on those massive contracts. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like you said, if these the season or this Saudi league flames out or – if players are going to seek moves elsewhere or or be content and who stays and, and who goes based off, you know, age and stuff like that, it would be really interesting to keep your eye out on. Um, another, you know, big. Talk about moving. Three. Talk about moving. Very true. That's a great segue. Um, Harry Kane, we wanted to highlight this transfer, goes to Bavaria uh, and joins Bayern, has been absolutely on fire since he joined, leaving um you know his home at, at spurs was a big deal uh he was you know chasing that that goal record in in england as well so but i think it was just time for him to get some trophies and and we'll see if he actually does that at Bayern this year uh but you know one of the premier league's greatest players you know made a big move and hit the ground running in in germany not often you see a player be a headline for the entire year, right? Um, you, you know, we obviously can touch on him as a as a transfer story of the year as well. But you know, just the name, like you mentioned, and and everything around Harry Kane over the last handful of years with Spurs and and, and England national team, and what he means to both both of those squads and those and the city. You know, the fans of of Spurs. For him to go to Germany and make that move and say, hey, you know what? I need to go and do this and have a new challenge and, and win some trophies. And, of course, if you're Bayern Munich and German Bundesliga, you are very happy that a player of this caliber came from England to your league, right? You know, it's usually the opposite a little bit or they stay internally but only go to Bayern. And you're getting an opportunity to say from the rest of the world, hey, look, look what we can do. We can bring in a Harry Kane. So, again, not often you see a player – be a main story, but this was one of those instances. And it just gives, you know, credibility to how important, how good of a player Harry Kane is. You know, there's he's been under the radar a little bit over the years because of other players, you know, like an Mbappe or Ronaldo in their prime or Kevin De Bruyne in some places. Um, and and then I think, you know, it just shows that Harry Kane is of that echelon. I don't think anyone in 
more prominent soccer circles doubts that, but this really put a, an emphasis on it. And um, I think he deserved everything he got. Now, on the flip side of that, um, Daniel, is, is of course teams that are making moves, playing a little bit of money ball this year. Uh, we've seen some, you know, some squads that lesser known um, that you never would have thought of. We alluded to one of them before in Bologna in Italy, but there's also teams like Brighton who we've touched on last episode. Do not miss on, on their transfers and Girona um, that goes not only from a transfers perspective, I think, but you're also looking at just the way that these teams operate um, from management down. And, and it's a really refreshing perspective. It is, especially as we we just got done talking about you know teams and leagues that have spent a, a ton of money. Um, these teams have been financially frugal, you know, picked out who they wanted and have a replacement waiting for when they sell them for triple the value. So, um, you know, Brighton was a really nice surprise last year, and they've been they've been pretty good this year. Girona was really took the cake for for 2023 2024 season as they're still in uh, second place i believe in la liga and i don't think a single person in the entire world saw that saw that coming and then you know bologna with tiago Mata at the helm um has been has been rather good as well so glad we got to hit on that and i love how we said we didn't want to talk too much about players and you know making headlines in 2023 but you know four of probably the five most talked about players we've mentioned Kane, Messi, Ronaldo, all going to separate leagues and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think Mbappe could be next in 2024 as a little it's still piece. It's still why we watch the game, right, is for the players. So at the end of the day, it, it does make sense that a lot of the players still dominate the headline. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a fun, fun storyline. And you would hope that teams like Chelsea and Manchester United and other big clubs can follow suit with what some of these younger, lesser quote unquote air quotes, lesser known teams are doing and, and kind of build that model. Cause it, it has been working and uh, you know, an, an area that we should definitely, definitely be thinking about for 2024. In the last storyline we'll get to in 2023, not as fun one um, is, you know, we've seen a lot of players this year get in trouble for, for doing uh, gambling. You know, we saw Ivan Tony suspended for uh, almost a full season. We've seen, Sandro Tonali made a big move to Newcastle and he's suspended and is missing Euros and, and the season as well. And then another player like Fagioli, a uh, young inter or sorry, young Juventus player was suspended. We've seen a lot of other allegations, you know, with the likes of Bruno Gimaresh, uh, Paqueta, to name a few. And so it's going to be an interesting topic to keep your eye on to see if there's another big, big player out there. Who, who kind of broke the rules and, and get suspended and how they kind of deal with that. You know, Tony got the worst sentence out of all of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how how they do these, I don't know, judgments and how many games and, and what that impact of the teams and, and the players will look like uh, as they come back from suspension. Yeah, really uh, interesting. Not a great story, like you said, to, to be touched on, but um, it, it is quite remarkable that um, – this is going on, right? Because I think this is something that has always been part of part of the game, um, but also maybe not so much, you know, as as paid attention to as it has been of late. So that'll be an interesting one as well. But, um, you know, there are uh, just to continue the money theme that we've had the last couple of topics here. Uh, there was two other stories that did pertain to to big moves in the game, um, really at the, at the greed and the money grab of the sport, right? Um, Super League 
reared its head again. Of course, there was a global global uh, backlash to this decision or this concept when when the original 12 teams proposed it. And, and it quietly went away, although two teams in particular, Barcelona, Real Madrid, continued behind the scenes to try and make it work. They, they went all the way to the European Judicial Committee, um, which, which ruled that UEFA does somewhat have a monopoly on the sport in the, in the nicest, without saying it directly. Um, that being said, Super League will still not get off the ground um, because a lot of the teams that were discussed as part of it still said no, even after the the ruling in in Europe. So um, credit to to the owners. I think they got the message that the sport is for for us as fans and supporters, and ultimately we will make those decisions long term for for our clubs and for the sport that we love. So great to see that. With that being said, FIFA has their own set of rules and they can change things as they want, and they have. Um, so, of course, the World Cup, which we alluded to, which finished in December of 2020, again, a weird one with a, with a winter World Cup, uh, goes into a, an expansion uh, for 2026, which, of course, will be hosted here in the United States. There will be 48 teams as part of this World Cup, Daniel. Um, any thoughts as far as we've touched on it a little bit but what you know? Where was your head when this came about, and and what are your thoughts going into this next World Cup? Again, twenty twenty six. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it in more detail. But I was elated about you know us hosting. Um, I just really hope that even though it's changing, change sometimes can be good. So we'll see if change will be good, and it will still be a, a watchable product. I just don't like the idea of you know including more teams who could be arguably worse as well as you know more games for players so that's kind of where i stand on it but you know content's content we're going to enjoy it all the same and hopefully the the luster of you know sounding of the world cup every four years doesn't kind of go away as they you know keep changing these historic competitions yeah, I completely agree with you. And how many teams do we want to get involved in this is at some point? Is it just a year continuously? I don't know. I don't know how we make that work, but uh, we'll see what happens. 48 teams will be an interesting one. And of course, it makes it easier for some squads that don't have the ability to get in, um, get in and does that dilute the game. But um, that's neither here nor there. A, a flip side of that, though, Daniel, something that is very exciting um, to, to, to witness as far as we're talking about expansion, expansion and largely overdue is just the women's game globally. Um, and we've seen that not only here in the United States with the NWSL um, had their best growth and best year to date. Um, we've also seen that with you know the, the English Women's Premier League. Um, the other leagues domestically in Europe are continually adding teams and growing. So again, a huge testament to to the game and what it is doing. It's largely overdue, like I said, um, and, and credit to to the women out there that are playing the game and growing the game the way it should be. Uh, they, of course, had their Women's World Cup last year. Congratulations to Spain, who, who took home the title in a thrilling matchup against England in the final. Um, the only, of course, downside to this was a really, really unfortunate story that we just have to touch on briefly because it's not all rosy in, in the women's game. There are still um, things that happen um, you know, across the world to women in general that need to be touched on and, and be taken care of. And it's, it's not acceptable that in 2023, we had the incident that we had surrounding the Spanish FA and, and the president there and all that stuff. So, um, 
progress, of course. Um, there's still things to work on, um, which we all have a part to participate in, and we definitely will going forward. So, um, you know, again, expansion is a, is a good thing, um, but doing it the right way is also just as important. Um, moving into a different category, away from you know more of the the off the field stuff. This is directly on the field, Daniel. We saw the inter. I want to say the integration of VAR, but let's just get the rabbit out of the hat. VAR. Uh, VAR, of course, for those of you that don't know, is video official referee, a video assistant referee. So basically <laughs> helping the officials on the field make the right calls. Has this happened in your perspective, or are we at a point where get rid of this whole system and throw it out the baby out the window with the, the bathwater. Um, so I think we started in, in 2022. It's, we just have seen it progress in 2023 and we've seen some good progressions and some, and some bad progressions. One thing that we saw was with all these VAR reviews, you know, the adage of stoppage time has been significantly higher um, this, this season, which is good because it, like, you know, stops time wasting and, and injuries. And I think it'll continue to evolve. Obviously, the handball uh, rule is probably the biggest. You know, what is a handball? Uh, what is a I handball? don't know. I, I okay. can't tell you, honestly, because um, I, I just don't understand what it is anymore. I think that if they clarify, you know, very specifically, it's too open to interpretation um, in the rule book right now. So I think they could do better on that. I think the a fully scale change of the offside stop drawing these fucking lines just do the automated technology where you can just immediately see the body part um i think that would be especially in the premier league would be a good you know change um i don't know why they've done that and i think the third for me would be um out like uh the ball being out on the on the touchline um i think if you can have goal line technology, why can't you have touchline technology? Because uh, we've seen a couple goals now, especially against Arsenal, where it's been debated that the ball was went out of play or not. Uh, I think that would be a pretty easy switch. Um, but how, how about you? Is there any other than obviously efficiency when discussing these like possible penalties and such? Is there any like you know improvements that could be made? Yeah, you mentioned the, most of them, right? And I think Sorry. the easy. No, it's there. That's that how we have gotten to that point where they're that simple to fix and they can't fix it. Um, it's just beyond me. They have the goal line technology for the ball going in the net. Why can't you just ex extend that to the lines of the field, right? Simple done. There's one offside. Everyone else is using automated technology. The premier league has to be different. It, it is vocally said, we want there to be some room for interpretation. Okay. Well, this is what you get. Um, and so that's dumb on your part. Uh, it, it's kind of insane, but you know, um, the other part is, and we're seeing this rule change in 2024. So I would love to hear maybe was, as we talk about some storylines going forward is, you know, the, the, if you are any part of your body is onside, you are onside. Um, that will be an interesting, is that the change. Wenger rule, the Wenger rule. So we will see how that impacts the game. Um, you you see that in other sports and in, in hockey, particularly, or, um, other, you know, where if you are on the field or on the line, it's good. 
Um, and so that'll be an interesting one. And then also the, you know, the big discussion about concussions and, and VAR and how that's interpreted and, and making sure that we're the substitutions and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So, um, you know, that'll be an interesting one going forward. It, it, I think there was some good progress in 2023, a good starting point. Um, but I think there's a lot of work to do because we want to make the game fun and enjoyable, but not waste time and have players run over to the refs. And again, we a point of emphasis that they have not really done much of, um, you know, hand out yellow cards for diving or doing those types of things where everyone runs over to the ref and says, go check far. Okay, they'll do it. Um, but, you know, there was a point of, hey, you know, we're giving yellow cards for that. And, and you started to see that go down a little bit, time wasting, et cetera, things like that. So again, Good progress, but if you're going to make rules and apply rules, apply them. Otherwise, don't add them. Um, that's something that frustrates the hell out of me with with rules officials and uh, and refereeing as a whole. And I try and give refs the benefit of that because, you know, they're out there running around trying to make the calls the best they're doing, um, given the what they can see. And it's a it's a fast moving sport, um, and and you know they can't see everything. So, got to give refs the benefit of the doubt um, every now and then. But there's some some easy ones that we could be updating in 2024 to make their lives a lot easier and, and make the game more enjoyable. But Daniel, more enjoyable is always what we want. And in 2023, there were two teams in particular on the men's side. Of course, we can touch on Bayern Munich. They won the league for 11th season in a row, a classic down to the wire finish with Dortmund on the last day. La Liga, you know, Bayern, Barcelona took care of business pretty early in that league. So they they ran away with it a little bit at the end there, um, getting a big uh, championship for, for Xavi and squad that haven't won it in a few years. But the big story has to be Napoli and Man City. Napoli winning the title for the first time in 30 years, Daniel, since Maradona was part of the squad. The, the city went absolutely bonkers, as it should have. They're still kind of celebrating right now into the into the new campaign, but that's neither here nor there. And then the other big story, just because it's so rare that it happens, is Manchester City winning the treble. Um, and, of course, five trophies, five folks in 2023. Spurs are just asking for one. Can they get a little piece of that? Uh, sorry, I have to get that dig in as a Chelsea fan, of course, anytime that's possible. But those are the two big stories on the field for me, Daniel, was was Napoli winning the first title in 30 years and Man City, just one of the the teams of maybe maybe one of the greatest teams of all time winning the treble the way they did. Uh, you couldn't have summed it up better. I mean, even if a team has unlimited resources and, you know, has the best scouting department and all the all these things, you still got to go out in the field and, and win it all and still be hungry after every single trophy. And that's what Manchester City did. Um, so got to give them props for that. You know, three Premier League titles in a row as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do in, in 2024 and if they continue this role. When it comes to Napoli, uh, one of the most beautiful stories out there. Um, Spalletti, you know, leaves his post and now gets a, a big job with the uh, Ital Italian national team. Um, we saw like the emergences of Victor Osimhen and Kvatshilia and and players of that Minjay Kim of that caliber on that Napoli team. And glad that Naples uh, could do it. You know, the city of Naples needed that, and especially as Maradona passed in 2023. What a beautiful ending of 2023 was was them winning it. So couldn't be couldn't be happier for them. Um, kind of you know it mixes up and shows that parody in that in Syria right now. Um, which is is what we enjoy. Um, but now, 
uh, as we kind of recap the storylines, I want to talk about the best transfers of 2023. So we're going to kind of touch on a few. Obviously, we already mentioned Harry Kane uh, for a while now, so we're going to go ahead and move on, but just wanted to shout him out. Probably the second biggest, if not the biggest, is Jude Bellingham. You know, almost wins it with Dortmund, goes to, to Madrid uh, this summer and has completely set the, the world on fire with his performances. Any any nice words for Jude here? No, I haven't spoken well about him at any point of this podcast episode. Um, that is totally sarcasm. If you haven't listened to our pod, I pretty, pretty much praise this kid week in, week out. He's part of my young player of the week, player of the week, uh, everything player of the week, uh, each week, week in, week out. Cannot speak higher about this kid and what he's been doing in Madrid already. It's not a long period of time to look at it from a transfer, only in August of this year. Um, and yet he is probably the second, maybe the top storyline of 2023 as far as transfers are concerned. So um, an, a, an easy one for me there. Another big one, though, Daniel, that could be you know pretty close. Not, again, Jude Bellingham. No one is going to be maybe Harry Kane's the only one on this list that that you know mounts to a similar stratosphere. But James Madison um, moving from from Leicester City down the Championship to Spurs uh, over the summer. Of course, he's been out of late with an injury. Um, it does look like he may be coming back in early January for some of those pictures. Although and Postacagu today um, did not confirm or deny when he was coming back. Just that he's starting to move and kind of get in that progression. But for me, that's another big one. Um, and then, of course, the I, I think the the big, big London move of the summer was was the other North London side getting Declan Rice from West Ham in a hundred and five million pound deal. Um, what a player he's been though this year. Yeah, and they were. I mean, a lot of people were saying he was the key to Arsenal kind of going on and challenging for the title. Now that we look right now, it's not looking that way. But he's been instrumental still in their still progress. been very, very strong for that squad, definitely. Absolutely. And just a quick one, probably the free agent of the year was on a free is uh, Turam for, for Inter Milan, went on a free this summer and has completely, uh, you know, fit in perfectly with Latoura Martinez up top and Inter and as they, they top the league going uh, into 2024. Um, and then we're going to talk a couple teams to get specific with the rebuild, PSG with a big rebuild, you know, Neymar, Messi, see you later. Bring in Milani, Dembele, Kang Lee, Ugart, just to name a few, Skinny R. Um, so, you know, PSG, a lot of faces changed in, in that locker room. And in the Premier League especially, uh, went on some spinning sprees, especially your team, Chelsea. Uh, the good, the bad, the unknown. Just a quick recap on who you've liked, who you want to see more from. Yeah, I think, of course, the three windows is a billion. Um, so let's just put that out there with a B um, with a B. Yeah, that's a B folks. Okay. We're still in 10th place. Don't worry about it. Um, the big ones for me, obviously Cole Palmer, maybe the best transfer that we've done, uh, 47 million pounds from, from city. And he's arguably our best player right now. And honestly, if you look at his goal contributions, 14 goals in 24 games, um, that's pretty good. That's pretty strong numbers. Um, eight goals, six assists. So, um, up there with the likes of, not in the same stratosphere again, but in sort of terms of productivity is Jude Bellingham and, and at that young level, only 21 years old. So strong, strong signing. And Cuckoo, who, again, we haven't seen much of because of his injury, um, has been really lively when he comes on, you know, scored in both games he's played so far. Uh, didn't score yesterday, but um, scored against Wolves and, and also um, in the in the cup game. 
So that's another good one for me. Again, another under 100 million pound um, signing. So it's funny, the, the lesser players are the ones that are delivering the most naturally. Um, but I think the future is bright for Chelsea. I know everyone laughs about the eight-year deals and um, you know just what those look like and the numbers that were spent. But there's some young, talented players there. I think Enzo will be good. Caicedo will be good in the long term. Lavia, um, they have to come through, of course. But uh, you know, I think the more recent signings are a little bit better. On the flip side, though, Daniel, it feels like this team that continues to sign players and we're not just harping on them just because it's just you look at it and yes, Chelsea are not very good, but neither are Manchester United and they signed a lot of players. I think it was $400 million worth of players in the summer for Eric Ted Hogg to get players that he wanted from Onana to Mason Mount to Casemiro, um, uh, Sarambat. Uh, you can name a few others. I think I'm probably forgetting uh, Anthony, um, you know, where, where do you see and what did Manchester United actually get for what they spent? Not much. Um, you know, Sancho's been exiled. Uh, Martinez, unfortunately, has been, you know, hurt, struggled to stay stay fit there. That's not Tanakh's fault, obviously, but he was pretty good before that. Um, Casemiro, either red card or injury, it seems like, every other game. Um, so not much. And we, we talked about it last week, so we don't have to talk about United that much. But, you know, he's been relying a lot on the youth products. And, and that's really good to see. Um, so I think he'll continue to do that in 2024. And maybe, just maybe, with this new Ratcliffe financial you know, um, takeover there, I, I think they'll start to spend money, but spend money smart, smartly like he's done at Nice, and Nice has been transformed under Ratcliffe's reign. Um, so if I'm a United fan, I'm looking forward to 2024, hoping it gets better. Um, but uh, we'll really see. And then another team we wanted to hit on uh, was just the Liverpool midfield rebuild. Um, the signings of you know Dominic Schobersly, McAllister, Indo, Gravenberg. I mean, that's four midfielders. That's complete change. And then you're relying on the likes of young players like Curtis Jones and, and Harvey Elliott. That was, you know, why Liverpool did so bad last season. And you know, they're they haven't lost a game and. And uh, this were you were you nervous when when Klopp went for an entire rebuild in one summer? I mean, you lost Henderson, Fabinho, um, who else left from that midfield? And you kind of just said, you know what, this is not good enough. Let's do it all at once. Oh, Milner, you know, it's not just taken in pieces. Everybody out, everybody in. I mean, it's just bullshit that it had to be this way. But I, I knew it had to be this way. I mean, it. If they were smart about it, they would have done, you know, two players a window or something like that. Kind of like Chelsea did, just with less dollar signs, obviously. But um, I mean, I thought the signing of McAllister and Dominic Schobersly were immediate upgrades. Um, so I was pretty happy about that. Indo wasn't really sure kind of what to get out of him, but uh he's been a, a nice surprise so far, and he's been a bargain for only 15 million. And then Gravenberg is a project player. But uh, I really see him fitting in kind of like Genie Wildenaldum did, uh, just so dynamic on the ball and can just do so many things well that uh, I, I was very excited about that. And you saw flashes at Bayern, but you saw really the main flashes at Ajax uh, a year or two ago. So I was pretty happy. It could have gone, uh, it could have you know gone really poorly. I think the most important thing was they were all healthy going into the preseason we saw things like with Chelsea and Man United people came in injured and it gives them a tough start to you know get integrated into the team there uh but I know we saw a lot of money spent 
seen a lot of big transfers in 2023 with uh you know the euros and copa america and afcon uh in 2024 i think we're gonna have even more blockbuster signings uh for 2024 and uh do you want to go ahead and, and name a few that yeah, are, of course, it could be? Yeah. And of course the, the window opens in a couple of weeks in January. So 2024, we'll start with a bang with some money. I don't know how much of the big blockbusters will happen in January, like you mentioned, but of course, everyone, I think in the world of football is keeping an eye out for the Kylian Mbappe saga. And how does that end? Will he end up in Madrid? Um, that is the biggest question I think. And, and once domino that domino falls, if it falls, there's been rumors of him signing a new deal with PSG. I don't know how that goes over. We'll see. Once that domino falls, I think the rest will will kind of come into play a little bit. Who will be moving around? Of course, if, if he leaves PSG, they'll have ample money from that deal to make some moves themselves, which again, just trickle effect, right? Um, the other one I think that people will be watching for is, is Endrick going to Real Madrid um, from Brazil. He's a young talent, um, a, a really, really young, talented squad. Um, or or set of players coming through the the system right now. You have um, Victor Hoque as well, um, who's coming over for Barcelona. You'll have and uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this kid's name from from uh, Argentina, who's going to go to Man City, who just signed as well. Um, Estreveri. Estreveri, thank you. Um, so you have you know that's just to name a few. Um, you have another couple of youngsters as well coming to Chelsea um, that everyone's pretty hyped about. Um, you know. David Washington, will he be one of those youngsters that kind of really steps out into the fold that, that people are thinking he's going to be? So there's some really good Pause ones. too. Yep, exactly. Um, there are some deals done is what we're saying, I think, as far as storylines that we'll see. Uh, again, once Mbappe falls into place, that'll really make things happen. And, and who knows? Um, there could be names that we don't know about yet. You mentioned moves always happening after major tournaments we saw that after the world cup of course and you'll see that like daniel said after euros uh, afcon and copa america so keep an eye out for that the other one that we want to touch on quickly because we've touched on this as, as well on the episodes in previous is the mls rules daniel and and will these kind of be you know a, a way for teams to organize and, and build um, team building. We touched on this with the, the guys over at Charlotte Soccer Show. Um, if you haven't checked that episode out, go do so. Also go check out those guys. They do great They do great work as well. Um, but thoughts on the MLS new rules quickly. I know, like I said, we touched on that in, in, that, in that episode with those guys. Yeah, uh, just, you know, X or uh, higher salary cap will help, you know, build more of a, a full squad because, um, you know, the first 11 usually for most MLS squads are solid, but once you kind of get into that busy fixture schedule, you'll, you'll see the death struggles. So that'll be really helpful. Um, you know, I think they're going to introduce some, some injury rules. So if you get injured and you're on the pitch for more than I think a minute, then you have to sit out for two minutes. So they're going to, I like that the MLS is going to be the kind of the guinea pig for some of these big rule changes that it will, or could happen in, in Europe. So I'm excited for, we were talking about the AR that's kind of, you know, plays a part in there. Um, I mean, it's going to be really interesting with how Messi plays in, in the MLS If you know, this is kind of be, you know, a kind of like a, kind of like a stock that just shoots right up. Um, especially with hosting 2026 Copa America or Copa America this year. And in the world cup in 2026, Will soccer fever kind of hit the U.S. and we'll see more engagement from our own domestic league than than ever before. So, really excited to to kind of see what what twenty twenty four is in 
in store for us. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Copa America in the U.S. as well this year coming up. And so, you know, we, along with the storylines of the transfers, there's just general storylines that we're anticipating or thinking about for 2024. Uh, Daniel, for me, a couple of big ones that stand out. Um, we'll keep it close to home, as you just alluded to. What is the future of the U.S. Open Cup? Of course, uh, something that happened after we recorded that MLS episode that I mentioned is is MLS saying we are not participating in the U.S. Open Cup this year, although that is up for debate. They're still going back and forth with the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, but at, at least as far as I'm aware, as we record this, um, Next Pro is still the teams that will be participating from an MLS perspective. Um, or has that changed since since they had a back and forth? I thought I saw U.S. Federation put their nuts on the table and say, uh, we actually want you know the teams to participate and we don't think that's the right thing to do. I thought I saw something like that. It's gonna I, be I did see that. I just don't know if they've if they've hashed it out. I don't I don't think they've out. hashed it out. Yeah, so that'll be definitely a storyline to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, England does the FA Cup and Germany has the Polkai, and, and these are some of the competitions that we we love to, to cover. So it'll be really sad if MLS thinks they're too good to do that, which is just ridiculous. Um, another you know storyline, just staying in domestically, how is the U.S. national team going to do in Copa America? You know, and play against really really good competition. We we see the same. They play the same. You know, lesser opponents year in year out. But is is you know the future of Greg Berhalter? going to be in doubt in 2024 is that like a big storyline we're going to follow so really excited for that but i do you know we have three big cup 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 competitions excuse me Copa america euros and afcon let's get our predictions here um for those and then we can kind of hit on some other ones um Copa america final or who wins right now argentina beats Mexico. Wow. Okay. And I think this is the last time you see Lionel Messi play internationally. Um, of course, that, that, there was a lot of debate about that after the World Cup, but I think you heard a lot of stuff about with Scaloni and Di Maria already announcing that they're kind of – well, Scaloni didn't, but he kind of hinted at it. Di Maria saying Copa America is it for him. I think this is the last time you'll see Messi in an Argentina kit, um, and I think this is one of the last seasons Lionel Messi will play soccer professionally um at, at any level i think mls he's done as well so yes argentina mexico for me i think argentina goes out on a high um, and wins this tournament prediction for the u.s men's national team if that's where you're going to ask me next i think semifinals is a great result for this squad um, in this tournament just given the strength of this tournament and what it is sets them up in a good way to look at some things to to position and get ready for 2026. But anything less than a semifinal um, is a little bit of a disappointment for me for the U.S. men's national team. Could not agree more on the U.S. national team take there, and I think Greg will probably get fired if that does not uh, get achieved. For me, I'm going to go Argentina-Uruguay final, and I think Uruguay, the Elsa ball, is going to win this tournament. Um, I really like where they're at. I'm worried about Brazil at the moment. So they're usually the, you know, favorites. No Neymar, say. no Neymar as well. No That's Neymar. That already. Yep. So we'll see. But we, we always see these random kids, you know, step up in these tournaments. So excited to see who's going to be the breakout for this one. Euro 2024. I might be going to this one. So that might be a cool announcement. 
um, you know, down the road for us as a, as a podcast, but who do you think is going to be in the final and who wins? Uh, I think everyone knows my pick here. If you don't, uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now, France will win this tournament very easily. Um, they will very play, easily, very okay. easily. They will play Italy in the final Italians know how to play cup competitions and how to advance, especially now that they are in the tournament, which was up for debate or concerned at one point, France, Italy, uh, that's your final. All right. Uh, I'm going to go France, England final. No England. Portugal. What happened to Portugal? Portugal is going to make it to the semis. I think they get knocked out by one of these two teams. I think England. But, Ron, but they have I, Ronaldo. I no, I hate Ronaldo. You know that. But I think that England will upset France and Matt, and uh, I'll be enjoying watching his tears as France lose another final. Uh, yeah, and that would be two, true. Two so that would be true. You know, um, that would be great, and and hopefully I get to see a third if Liverpool and and Chelsea make it to the EFL Cup. But now Afcon, uh, we'll probably you know cover the impact of Afcon on all the leagues in a later episode. But this is going to be a in season tournament here. Uh, who's going to be in the final and who's going to win it? Man, final is tough. Um, Ivory Coast, Senegal perennial teams nigeria is very strong as well don't forget um, egypt don't forget egypt with salah although that's really one of their main main drivers um boy um senegal are really good um top to bottom and deep um same with nigeria so that's my final nigeria senegal and then give me senegal to win the whole thing um they've they've improved so much over the years it's been remarkable to watch that that turnaround um and what they've done as a nation um, from a footballing perspective. So I think they get this one done. I'm going Senegal, Egypt final. I think that Egypt gets one here. So supplant Mo Salah's legacy as the best African player to ever grace this earth. Um, but, you know, I liked what you said with Nigeria and Ivory Coast. They have a, a buku of talent, and I think that's being on display more than it ever has been before. Um, oh, and for the Asian Cup, uh, it – I'm going to – I think that, you know, I think we'll both agree that, obviously, I think Japan's going to win this with ease, but, and I think Korea is obviously the, the second best in, in this tournament. Yep. So, yep. Uh, But impact as well, in, internal – interseason competition as well like afcon so we'll keep an eye out for that as well apologies to our our asian listeners there um but yeah no i think that j just to give you guys some flowers here i think that japan will go on and and reach the semis in the world cup so that's my hot take um of you know a year four years away so four a couple years away but it's whatever um a couple other storylines for 2024 we want you guys to look out for will city actually get punished for their ffp breaches we saw everton get a, a big you know stick on the wrist for for one breach which was how many points was it was it 13 10, 10 or points. 10 points 10 points so i mean if you're so following do the math logic, it's 115 points times 115 times 10 yeah so city will never ever play soccer again if that if that math adds up correctly yeah matt was never good at math but he did a great job there um so very excited to see them get stripped of all their titles in 2024 that's my dream personally but you know whatever uh two other one quick ones since we're on city 
consistency when they're fourth prim in a row? Can they win another, you know, treble or, or multiple trophies this year? You know, they're well, probably I guess it favorite. depends on the punishment, right? If they that, that is true. So part of the two two pronged answer there, but uh, it does look that way. But uh, who knows when this punishment comes down? Could that completely change things? So, what is the Man City punishment? Is is the big storyline for me in twenty twenty four in the in England? Or will they continue to kick the can down the road? They're probably the favorites probably, in both probably. both the Prem and the Champions League. So, interesting storyline to keep your an eye on and. The last one we have before XI of the year is will Bayern Leverkusen knock Bayern off their, you know, decade winning spree here? Man, do I hope so. Would be an interesting one. Of course, it would be chaos in Bayern if that happened in Munich, if that happens. Um, so we'll keep an eye out for that. It does look as we record uh, four points clear right now at the top. So um Shabi Alonso, Shabi Alonso doing some some magic. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. But Daniel mentioned those are just some of our storylines for 2024. Um, there's you know a lot of a lot of stuff that will be covered on this show for you guys. We'll do everything we can. We talk about it. We'd love to hear from you guys because there's just so much soccer we can't cover it all. So you can of course follow us over on X at Full Time Roundup um, and and just kind of interact with us. Of course throughout the 2024 calendar year now daniel mentioned our xi of the year we do this every sunday generally although we haven't of late just because given how crazy the schedule has been and only one league going on at once but daniel we wanted to bring it back starting 11 of the year again we just for everyone who's new here we do this together um, we we identify who our top players are in defensive forward midfield positions as well as a goalkeeper um, and we have a three four three um, in this instance, so we've changed it up. Um, we've gone four, three, three, um, just because it's just such a hard, uh, team to put together at the end of the year. We have some honorable mentions as well. So Daniel, just because there's a couple players from some particular team here to start us off, fire away with our goalkeeper and defensive players of the year. So with goalkeeper, um, you know, with injuries and everything it, it was a really tough decision here but I, I do think that allison is still the best keeper on planet earth uh for 2023 so i don't know that might be a surprise for some maybe not we'll see for our right back uh we selected trent alexander arnold you know how many goal contributions he's getting especially with this new inverted role he has has kind of changed the game um as well so we wanted to, you know, highlight that uh, Saliba for Arsenal, uh, best defense in the league right now and last year as well. So he's been absolutely fantastic. It's going to be really interesting to see if he, you know, gets on and Francis XI in the Euros come 2024. Ronald Arujo, our another center back for Barca, won the league, best defense in La Liga, probably first, maybe second best center back on planet earth as of right now um so had to shout out the uruguayan and then fourth is bastoni for inter milan went to the champions league final young italian center back will be playing a big part in italy's future plans and they're you know top of the league right now in in Serie A with the best defense as well so um had to shout out him uh do you want to take the uh midfield and the attackers Sure. I'll take the flashy names. I get to say the, the ones everyone likes. Uh, Daniel, of course, um, put together a great list of defensive players 
we put them together, but uh, calling out a couple of players I had forgotten. Um, and so, you know, again, this is why we do this together. But Jude Bellingham, what can you say? We've already mentioned him before as the signing of the summer. He can play anywhere in the midfield. He can play the, the eight, the six, whatever you want him to play, he can play. Um, so he's obviously in there. Um, Rodri from Man City, without him, I don't think that this team is the team that it is. We've seen that this year when he's out injured or suspended. They just aren't that same squad. Of course, he gets one of the most important goals in the Champions League final that gets them the title, as well as a, a game before that in the Premier League to, to kind of secure the title for them there. How can you not have him on this squad? Of course, alongside him, pretty formidable you know, tandem here is Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, hasn't played in 2023 at the latter half of the year just due to injuries, but when he does play, Boy, does he change this entire squad. And of course, when you win the treble, you're going to have a lot of players on the squad. That's just how it works, right? Um, so alongside Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne up top, we'll have to add Erling Holland, who scored over 50 goals in 2023. Absolutely ridiculous to say that out loud. Um, and what he's done at City and, and just coming in and being honestly you know, the hype and, and living up to that hype and, and delivering was just phenomenal. A, a finalist for the Ballon d'Or. Um, this kid will only continue to grow in lore and what he does on the pitch. Alongside him, Kylian Mbappe, uh, of course, one of the most arguably talented players on planet Earth, um, potentially that next generation of player behind Messi to come in. Continues to do it for PSG um, and the French national team. And uh, the future is continually bright for this kid. We'll see what happens to him if he stays at PSG or moves to Madrid in the future. If that happens, again, world's his oyster. And, and lastly uh, is Harry Kane. How can you not have him on the list here as well? We've talked about him at length on this episode, as well as just what he means to uh, England national team Spurs before he moved to Bayern Munich and what he's doing currently at Bayern Munich it goes without being said that he is our final striker. We mentioned some honorable mentions. Which which we had to. We had to make we an had exception. To. There, it's just so many players that we, you know, we felt we we went back and forth with this. It was like, how can we not have this person? How can we have this person? So we got to give some honorable mentions. Daniel, I'll go first with the first couple I had. Um, I had Ederson um, as as an honorable mention for the goalkeeper of the year. Of course, you you mentioned Allison. He's a fantastic option, but um, winning the trouble playing the, you know, starting for Brazil. Uh, it was tough for me to have Ederson off the list. So he's an honorable mention. Benzema, Kareem Benzema um, up front. Of course, he, you know, gone to, to Saudi league in, in uh, the new season. Um, but the early half of 2023 was an absolute world beater. One of the best on the planet. Um, can't have him not there as well. And then Huming Son. Um, carried Spurs when Harry Kane was not only not part of the squad here in this half of 2023, but earlier in 2023 when Kane was injured, um, the Spurs squad would not have been anywhere near where they were had it not been for Sun. So those are my three honorable mentions. I know you have a couple as well. Um, but again, this was such a hard list to put together. Absolutely. So first and foremost, Mohamed Salah completely carried Liverpool in the latter half of, of last season, which was a disaster. But without him, we would have probably been mid-table, not I think we got fifth. Um, Vinicius Jr., you know, this was his big breakout year, kind of finally replacing the likes of, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and, and players of that fashion who, who ended up leaving after those uh, two Champions Leagues in a row. So he, you know, lit the world on fire and is arguably Brazil's best player. Uh, John Stones, another City player, but we, I, I talked about the inverted uh, uh, defender 
into the midfield role. Uh, him and Pep started that, and I think inspired Klopp and, and Trent. And that you know tactic tweak was key to them switching it up and, and winning the treble last year. And you know he was kind of the the big player that would slot into midfield and play next to Rodri and give Kevin and Kevin De Bruyne and, and, and Bernardo Silva that space to to go and attack. Um, and my last but not least is the introduction of Gavi from La Masia. Um, man did his passion and, and leadership at such a young age spurred Barcelona on to win La Liga. And then we saw this year with his injury, they don't look like the same team without Gavi in that midfield. So wanted to give him a big shout out. We also have coach of the year. Um, obviously, this is a pretty easy decision here. Pep Guardiola. Easy one. Yeah, you win five trophies in a year. You kind of have to. Kind of have to. But we do have some cool honorable mentions, and we've touched on almost all of these managers uh, within you know our first thirty episodes of 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 doing this podcast. Spalletti, you know, with Napoli, now with Italy. Inzaghi with Inter. Xabi Alonso with Bayern Leverkusen, and Unai Emery with Aston Villa. Shout out to all those coaches, and we'll see if they kind of grow from these roles, or you know, they stay and you know, make their own success. Yeah. You mentioned honorable mentions, all the, it goes again saying without, um, you know, even for the players too. very tough list to put together. Great, great performances on the sideline, on the pitch in 2023. And these are just some of the players and, and coaches that we thought stood out the most. Uh, Daniel, it's been a crazy year, not only for the play on the field as well, but for us um, here uh, together, you and I doing the show, you mentioned already, 30 episodes doesn't feel like it i can't believe this will be 31 going into uh the new year um but thank you for everyone who listened to us um over those 31 episodes 1100 downloads uh, which i know doesn't sound like much for 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 us just starting out and doing this um we we couldn't have asked for a better set of fans to listen and we appreciate you guys beyond words for all the support uh you know we're looking forward to 2024 And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great year and we have a lot of things lined up for you guys. Uh, Everyone have a happy and safe new year and we will see you in 2024.